0: everybody this is bill cameron from the drive podcasts of the drive are presented by southeastern industrial contractors now hiring for great paying skilled trade positions call 334-209-6355 to learn more thanks for listening
1: or of the show who we will introduce shortly let's get the housekeeping out of the way uh, Hour number one of the drive brought to you by the good folks at kia of auburn and kia of kia of auburn where you're always number one They sponsor the hotline, 334-321-1390, the number to dial. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840. That's the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast. Bill's been working from home this week, but it's been a very busy week on the show, and I would recommend checking out the podcast from Monday or Tuesday if you missed any of what I think it's safe to say were a couple of action-packed shows, right, Bill? Yeah, I would say so,
0: and... And uh, we, we will we'll take as many calls as we can as we uh, get info from from Jason and get his thoughts as well. It it has been a uh, yeah it's been a pretty busy week. I, I spent time today on a couple of other shows and people asking me things that I wanted to ask Jason. So we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Let me give you a little quick update. I'm not going to be back in the studio tomorrow. It doesn't look like. I thought I was recuperating pretty well. I decided to. Uh, uh, to go to the mailbox and 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 bring the mail in and uh by the time i got to the mailbox i was wondering how i was going to get back <laughs> uh I'm, I'm not i'm not quite as as uh as well as i had thought so.
1: give it give it time bill please knee, knee injuries you know that's that's a that's a serious recuperation if you if you're not uh jason caldwell by the way bill referenced uh in in the uh uh just now and and that's, uh, who's uh, who's sitting in the studio with me from uh, from the uh, from inside the Auburn Tigers? Uh, w- one of our favorites uh, every Wednesday for the first hour. Are you familiar with what Bill's going through there? Uh, Bill's uh, uh, little brief brief medical episode.
2: Fortunately, here? I haven't had to deal with that to this point. Uh, you know, knock on wood, um, been okay so far. But uh, me and Bill were comparing um, knee back anything like that it uh it just takes a little longer now than it used to that's for sure you, you yeah, don't have you're to not, you're not kidding you
3: don't kidding. have okay, um. so this this
0: this one's a little more a little more serious than the one i had a few years ago and and being a little older makes it a little tougher so uh so yeah i just i encourage anybody yeah don't don't try to rush it i know people have told me that for years and i've always recovered pretty well but uh but yeah it's better better to uh take it a little easy but but uh yeah I, i'll be back but now the question, let's go ahead and, and, and the, the question to Jason. Wim Sanderson asked me this this morning, Jason, and, and I answered as honestly as I could. He said, is there a reasonable way for Brian Harson to be Auburn's head coach next year?
2: Uh, I think you got to... You got to win a bunch of games from now moving forward, right? And I think, I mean, and I you're think probably that, the
1: underdog in a lot of those games right now. Yeah, I
2: mean, I think that's what people have thought um, to begin with. That you got to go out, you know, before the season ever started, people were going, "Hey, how many does it take to to do this or this or this?" And there there's no right or wrong answer because um, you know you can tell everybody till you're blue in the face, but hey, we don't write those checks, and so it, it's up to it'll be up to somebody to to go, okay, hey, when's enough enough? But Saturday obviously did not help. When when you when you put a performance like that on on film and 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 you play the way they did and how they did um, and quite honestly how they how they've done through the first three games when you look at the, you know defense has has regressed offense has just kind of been there and uh, I mean I, I don't know that anywhere you go man they've really taken a step forward this season I, I haven't seen that yet
1: if if the end is near for the Brian Harson era then Saturday was the boat hitting an iceberg, right? Like, really, it really was. Like that, that was them because things seemed to be not okay, but people were cautiously, maybe even optimistic after the first two games of what was going to happen when you saw this team against Power 5 teams and then to see it result like that, especially the second half.
2: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, here's the thing, I, the, you know, this week, this is probably the most winnable game left on the schedule, in my opinion. I think Missouri's a more winnable game than West Kentucky is depending on how the rest of the season goes. Because if you're talking about, hey, you haven't won a few, then West Kentucky is going to be a difficult game at the end of the year because of of where you are mentally. I think this game right now, you start talking about looking forward, I think this is the one you go, okay, if you don't win this one, then you can start putting the dots together. That's where I'm at right now because if you don't win this one Saturday – then you, it's hard to find many left on this well, schedule.
1: You, you, I mean, tell me if I'm being unfair when I say if you don't, if Auburn doesn't win on Saturday, I'm not sure Brian Harson gets a post game press conference. Mm. Like I'm not sure you even give him the the chance to. I mean, I think uh, you reassess. And if he's still the coach on Monday, he goes and talks to the media on Monday. But if you're, if the end is that, I mean, if he's if he's as critically endangered as we think he is. I mean, I'm, I'd, I'd be reluctant to let him take the microphone after a, after a loss on Saturday because I'm not sure if he's, I'm not yeah. sure how much it, well, he's going to represent. I the don't University. know that
2: I remember one where that didn't happen. No. Uh, I, rem- that, I remember when they that,
1: fired Belum and then sent him out there and sent yeah, him out there. I, yeah, yeah, the, but yeah, you know, I just,
2: you know, again, there's no way of knowing right. a, a timeline. All I know is is that it, it 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 needs to be much better than Saturday, and you need to string a few wins together, um, or it's become then it becomes. From hey, it's serious to critical pretty quickly.
1: Were Tuberville or or Malzahn ever as as critically threatened as Harson appears to be following that game in in situations they ultimately escaped? Like you think about maybe the start of the, the start of the O three season. Yeah, I mean,
2: Tuberville. Be... Tuber, I mean Tuberville. It was it was yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, it was done in two thousand three following um, the Georgia game. Yes, um, yes I mean following, yeah, yeah following it was the it, was, ed, it, in it, Athens, it was done, and so yeah, it's been it's been critical. The Saturday. I mean, we talked about it a little bit too, but Saturday felt a little bit like the Texas A&M game in in 2012. But but that team could have scored a hundred. Penn State wasn't They I mean, they have Johnny Manziel on the other side. And, I wish
1: I remembered which beat writer called that game an <coughs> unconditional surrender. Yes, the, 20, I mean, the 2012. Auburn so A&M. that
2: that that one had a different feel than any game I'd ever been to. Saturday felt a little bit like that at the end, but it it wasn't quite there because Auburn was still moving the football. That game was just a total collapse everywhere, all the way around. Um,
1: there were some one-sided Georgia games at the end of the Chiswick era. Well, I think the last yeah, I mean, two years yeah, yeah, correct. Different.
2: Yeah, yeah that that 2012 season was was an all-timer for the all the wrong reasons.
0: Yeah, what what this one felt like to me, Jason, was Tennessee at 80. I
2: mean, yeah, that's correct.
0: Because you didn't know, and you had pretty good you had expectations coming off an eight-win season, thinking, "Hey, this could be good." The crowds amped, everybody's crazy, and then it just. Uh, you know, I just it off. falls
2: apart and and that's that's the thing right now you look at it and you go where do, where does it where does something start and it starts at the line of scrimmage and right now you look at this team on the line of scrimmage and go i I just don't know where there are answers moving forward and this the scary part of that is is, is some of those are on defense um because <laughs> we we talked about it we talked about it last year you know the coaches and players talked about all the depth they had and all the, all this defensive line depth, and it hasn't shown up to this point. Uh, you still got the same three or four guys that are playing almost all the snaps, and there's not a ton of plays being made by anybody because those guys are staying on the field way too long. Because the offense is not, it feels like it's it's uh, you know I don't know I feel like you know you're Bill Murray watching Groundhog Day because it it, <laughs> right. it it felt like
1: the same thing. We we yeah. were sort of and, go ahead and Bill. now
0: you've got. Now you have a situation where uh, there's going to be a change of quarterback this week with TJ Finley out, and don't really know. And, and I, I don't I don't know if Brian Harson is just trying to, you know, play it coy with um with Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri, or or they really don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Uh, yeah, it should be Robbie,
2: shouldn't it? yeah, I would I would I would be very surprised if it's not Robbie Ashford, and I'd be very surprised if Robbie Ashford doesn't get the vast majority of the snaps on Saturday. Um, uh, hey, hey, we could see Holden Garner though. I think we could see the true freshman um, get out there and throw some. I mean, Zach Calzada is a guy that that has taken some snaps. He warmed up Saturday. It just doesn't feel like there's something that that feels off there. Whether it's him um, thinking there's still something wrong, whatever it is, it sure feels like to me that it's that it's going to be Robbie Ashford, perhaps Holden Garner as as the next quarterback in and. Um, which should mean something that we should have seen more of Saturday, last Saturday, which is handing the ball off to Tank and trying to run the football.
1: In year two, and this, this isn't, I mean, you can answer specifically about Brian Harson, but I want to know sort of in general, in, in your mind, watching college football and so many programs, in year two, how much of a roster's shortcomings are on the new coach and how much of it is on the old coach. Because there are ways to upgrade your roster now that there weren't even a couple of years ago. And we're seeing other first and second year coaches who drastically make over their rosters in ways where they're not going to be able to blame the, the previous coach and the way they recruited. How much... Of this team, if there are roster shortcomings at any individual position, how much of that is on Brian Harson and his staff?
2: Yeah, I mean, some of it has to be on the new staff. Obviously, obviously some of it's on right. the old staff, right. and you can start. I know that with,
1: question got specific, near yeah. The end, but you can, and, and here's
2: the way I I categorize this one is, is to me the, still the most pressing issue on this team is on the offensive line. It is a it was something that was was created by Gus Malzahn and has been continued by Brian Harson and, and this staff. Which is the lack of recruiting offensive linemen. And it's shown up. And uh, I think you were kind of catch 22 last year. You tried to go into the transfer portal, but you had all these older guys. And so you go, well, well, let's make sure we got these older guys here just in case we need them. Well, transfer guys aren't coming if those older guys are there. So they got caught in the middle a little bit now. And you look and, and you just have, you know, there's. When I look at offensively especially, I, I, when you, you start talking about explosive, when I think about Auburn football and the best teams they've ever had or best teams anybody has, I think about guys. You go, man, that guy can take it to the house. He's going to make somebody miss. When I watch this team play, I don't see a bunch of those guys on offense. And you don't see the offensive lineman that you go, man, that guy looks like a – from across the field, that guy looks like a tight end, and you get close to him, and he's six seven, three fifteen. I just don't see a lot of those guys right now. And, you know, defensively, there's a few of those guys still left, but there's not as many as they have been.
1: There are exceptions to the rule. Stetson Bennett is, is you know, standing there as, as one of them. But in general, more than ever before, it does matter. Does the NFL want your quarterback? Does the NFL want your wide receivers? Does the NFL want your offensive linemen? And that's a, that's a dangerous question if you're talking about the 2022 Auburn Tigers and the, the pro potential at to excuse Tank and Jarquez. Because I mean, even in the NFL, right? Running backs are it's great yeah, to that, have a good one, but, it, correct? But, but but I mean, the the, the That's not a premium position any longer. The places with scarcity, right? You're talking about the the best quarterbacks, the best offensive linemen, the best receivers. You know, wh- wh- where are those in the SEC right now?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, Bill, we we've, we've talked about it, and Dan, we talked about it a lot. Yeah, Stetson Bennett is is an outlier because of everybody around him. Uh-huh. That's the thing. You can you can have a quarterback that has, doesn't have to have first-round NFL potential if you're loaded at every other position and you play to those strengths and you do those things. If not, it takes a little bit of everything. And and when you don't have those pieces, a game like Saturday shows up when you turn the ball over. Now, if you come out and, and, and Missouri turns it over for you three times on Saturday and you don't have any turnovers, you're going to win the game. And, and you're probably going to win it by a couple of touchdowns. That's the difference right now. You turned it over a bunch. You don't have any and this team is nowhere close to good enough to be able to overcome things like that.
1: And even at Auburn, the, the only Auburn team, with, with all due respect to, I mean, 14s in there too, but really the Auburn team that had the best shot at the college football playoff late in the season was the 2017 team. Yes, and they had a quarterback who subsequently was on an NFL roster for several years. They had a receiver who I believe Darius Slayton is still in the NFL yeah. right now mm-hmm. for the for the Giants. And even Braden Smith, right, was the I mean the last the last NFL offensive lineman Auburn signed out of high school. Yes. Right? I mean, class right. Of, I mean Tega was was on a roster, I guess. But, I mean, for, for the most part, Braden Smith was the last one to make an impact in yeah. the NFL. And, and carry on Johnson
2: running back carry on until, as well. until yeah. he got hurt. I mean, you, you, yeah, that team had the pieces in place. And it had – but what it had, too, is you had Marquell Harell, You had some guys up front and and, and some of those guys that, that could run block and made that offense kind of come together and click a little bit. Um, but it – you know, we've talked about it. We saw it last Saturday. Um, you know, last year didn't tell the story against Penn State. You know, Auburn outgained them almost 100 yards on the ground. But one key turnover changed the momentum in a close game. Saturday, you know, for you know, the first quarter, Auburn ran the football and, and, and then kind of got away from it pretty quickly. And then second half, you had no choice. Because once, once you got down 24-6, to six, it felt like 60 Really, oh, you're,
0: it, you're absolutely right. right, Jason, and 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 a couple of things that are just so confusing, perplexing, uh, like you talked about. I mean, with with uh, Tank getting the ball only five times in the first quarter, but doesn't get a carry in the second quarter. I mean, some of the things that we've seen don't seem to fit the personnel. I mean, no,
2: yeah, you're correct, <laughs> especially when you're struggling to to block and and pass protect in that right. game. Um, you know, I, and, and Hey, I, I know defenses—they adjust. They—they're gonna make. They're gonna take you out of some things, but called pass plays to called runs in the first half were like two to one pass to run, um, and that was silly one score a game. You're, and, you're right, and and so you you start talking about going sooner or later. And I think back to, you know, I think back to, and this is not a tempo offense, but I it just I think back to going. Hey, you know, sometimes you have to impose your will. And I asked Austin Troxel, you know, Monday, and he said. Look, that's our identity. We sh- we should be able to run the football no matter what they do on defense. Center later, you got to have that and go. Hey, now obviously, if it's third and nine, you got to throw it. But you know, with when when your best player, best players, because um, I, I include you know Javaris Johnson in that. Um, five catches, he had five catches, but only five yards after the catch because he was kind of falling down or reaching behind his back to catch him. The those guys. When I look up Saturday in, in an Auburn football game right now, Tank Jarquez, Javarius Johnson, those guys should have had fifty touches on a Saturday.
0: Well, and when you've got you mentioned third and nine, when you've got when you've got second and long, third and long, and you continually run play action with the uh, fake to the to the tailback, the quarterback reverses his back to the line of scrimmage and goes back uh, with the offensive line. Auburn's got that's a that's that's a recipe mm-hmm. for disaster too.
1: Yeah, miscast is the word that keeps coming to mind. I think we said it once or twice during the Malzahn era too. As I mean, it's 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 going to be tough to be a power offense, you know, a power run play action team with this personnel. That's not to say that the talent isn't there to maybe find a way uh, to produce offensively. What we've seen through the first couple of games, you know, the notion of you know trying to to run inside on first down and then and then play off the run on, on second and third, and and way too often find yourself on you know third and eighth or third and eight or longer. Uh, you know that, that it's it's unsustainable, right? I mean, it seemed like seemed like the, the thing. The only time Auburn made plays in the first half against Penn State was when it was third and thir, third and fifteen or long. Yeah, I
2: mean, T.J. Right. Finley had a, a couple of really nice third down plays. He really did, um,
1: which he had to make because it was third and fifteen yeah, or correct. third and eighteen. Yeah, or and, third and
2: it's, it seems like you know, and this is a team that it finds you sometimes. A turnover finds you. A penalty finds you. Had a couple, you know, you get a, you get a, a good play call back because of holding, or, or you know. That's that's the things you have to overcome. And it comes to hey, it's execution. It's it's doing those little things that you have to do to be successful. And when you don't, you start pressing going, well, we got to We got to do this. We got to do this. All it does is make it worse.
1: 334-321-1390. 3, 3, 3, 1, the number to dial that is Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers, who joins us for the first hour every Wednesday. Bill is working from home, but he can hear you if you uh, would like to call in. We got Yellowhammer hanging on. We're going to get to him when we come back. Dak, we lost you. Wanted to give Jason a lot of time in the first segment. Dak, if you call back, we'll have you uh, first up in line, but we'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. 3, 3, 3, 1, You're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Drive
3: live on The Drive. <laughs> the Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in.
1: Hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers hanging out with us. Bill is working from home. Dan Peck here in the studio. Drew at the controls. I uh, want to uh, give uh, Jason a chance to tell everybody about the uh, fine website that he, uh, that he operates. We'll talk more about Penn State, and we'll preview Missouri a little bit. But let's get to the phones. Yellowhammer is hanging on. What's up, Yellowhammer?
4: Hey, Yeah. Uh, well, um,
5: I was uh, interested in a stat, and if you could look that up, and I'll explain why I like that stat while you're doing that, and that is the run-pass ratio for Penn State and same for Auburn. And the reason I bring this up is because whenever I'm in Atlanta, which I go up there frequently, and if I'm there during football season and it's a Sunday, I get the Journal-Constitution, and their sports page has this spread of 20 or more games where they break down each game as far as the stats. And I got doing that for a few weeks, and I noticed an enormous correlation between – the run-pass ratio and and the winning team and uh, and the winning team over ninety percent of the time had the better run-pass ratio in the sense that there was more run than pass and even if it was kind of evenish, whoever was closest to that ideal it was usually the winner and that's absolutely what Auburn needs to do because we can't pass but we do have the ability to run the run is so much easier to run than the passing play. Passing, you've got this choreography and this timing, and all the linemen got to perform. But if it's a running play, just a couple guys pop a crack for a second or two, you've got to play. And so uh, we need to lean on our strength uh, big time. We need to just change the mix on the play calling, and that will improve things greatly.
2: Yeah, the, the one thing about it, um, about that stat, is that it's absolutely true. But one of the reasons why it's true is because when teams are ahead, they run the football, and when they're behind, they throw the football. And so it kind of it kind of adds to it. But you look, and I think back to, to like you mentioned Steve Spurrier earlier. Steve Spurrier, they did it. But and, and you look up at the end of the game, you go, they ran the football pretty good, but they they ran it almost all the way in the fourth quarter because they were ahead. And like, okay, well now we're going to run the football. They threw it early on and got ahead and, and built leads, kind of the way Alabama's done the last couple of years. But no, for this Auburn team. You got to be able to run the football. There's just no, there's no way around it. We talked about it before the season started, and and it's it's absolutely more true than ever. And,
1: and here's here's what, I, and we appreciate the phone call, Yellowhammer, interesting stuff. But the reason I brought up Steve Spurrier during the commercial break, Jason, is because when people hear you got to be able to run the football, it's not because Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter are two of the more explosive, talented players on the entire team. Although that's a good reason to give them touches. But the reason you have to be able to run the football is because if you don't then the pass rush is relentless. In its pursuit of your quarterback, and there's nothing slowing them down. Yes. And when I mention Steve Spurrier, it's because for all the work that Steve Spurrier, Steve Spurrier didn't have particularly mobile quarterbacks, right? Werfel and, no. and and Shane Matthews, and uh, hey, hey, uh, Rex Grossman, Danny Danny Werfel makes T.J. Finley look like Lamar Jackson. But but what but what what were they able to do besides have NFL tackles and 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 great offensive linemen? But what were they able to do to slow pass rush? Now you saw a lot of screens and draws and, and plays that plays that were able to uh, keep the pass rush from going right after a guy. It seems like with Auburn, pass rushers uh, are attacking the quarterback uh, with, no, with reckless abandon. Uh,
2: adjusting to blitz. I think back to, to, the, to that 96 Florida team. Which they, Ike Hilliard was on. They played Florida State and could not get a snap-off. Florida State said, because Steve Spurrier was not a shotgun guy. He's like, I'm not going to get in a the shotgun. They couldn't get a snap-off, and they kept blitzing and kept blitzing and 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 beat Florida and beat them pretty good. Well, they had rematched in the national championship game. Spurrier goes shotgun with basically his running backs still lined up in the eye right beside him and it changed the complexion of the game, it's, it's adjustment. That's it. You, they, you, they show you what they're doing. You go, okay, then what are we going to do to adjust off of that? And Auburn didn't find the answers last week. They're going to see a lot more blitzing moving forward. I don't think it's going to slow down. Uh, how do they adjust to that now moving forward?
0: And Jason, how does Auburn adjust with Robbie Ashford now at as quarterback? He's definitely a much more mobile guy, a guy who is much more of a threat running. What do you expect to see, or or what would you like to see?
2: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because they they've never, you know, this staff has never been a hey, let's run a bunch of zone read, right. do some of those things. Um, I think you, you absolutely have to add some of those things in with Robbie Ashford. Uh, I still think they want to be a downhill, but I, th- I what I think you see is is almost the inverse of. You know, to me it's a little bit more Nick Marshall where Trey Mason was the between the tackles where you could do a tank, we could do Jarquez. Your quarterback is the outside zone run where you, you know, can you give him some options to pull it, do some of those things? The third, the you know, to me the RPO with Robbie Ashford could be really deadly if you can get if you can get him to understand it and get him to make the right decisions because people are going to be coming that you get get hand get ball out of your hands quick do so i wouldn't be surprised to see a little r p o uh do some of those things with him um, The thing you have to be careful of is he's a guy that that you know missed time as a junior and a senior with with injuries and he's had shoulder issues in his, in the past i don 't think he's a guy that that's going to go out there and, and run it twenty five times so that 's the thing you have to balance a little bit right now with Robbie Ashford, in my opinion.
1: And there's still going to be pressure on the offensive line, right? I mean, no matter what kind of offense you're no, running. No matter what, no, what you do, they're coming. They're, yeah. going, they're going to have a bunch of guys up there. Right, and not just from the outside. Like I mean, as, as was the case on Saturday, could be coming right up the middle at, at whoever's playing quarterback. 334-321-1390, uh, 3, 3, 3, 1, the number to dial. We're going to take our bottom-of-the-hour break. Got one more segment with Jason. Going to probably try to talk a little bit about the Missouri game and, uh, and and you know, some other long-term uh, questions for uh, for this program. But anything you want to talk about, we are wide open here on the Wednesday edition of The Drive. Stick around.
3: The drive continues, 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 continues. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email thedrive at ESPNAU.com.
1: Welcome back in. Wednesday edition of The Drive, Dan Peck in the studio, Drew at the controls, Bill Cameron working from home, and our special guest for our number one, Jason Caldwell from Inside the Auburn Tigers. Uh, Jason, uh, tell everybody about uh, the, uh, the the great work you guys are doing. I'm sure it's been a busy last couple of days. And, uh, and, and yes, yeah, sh- shout out the uh, the fine folks uh, who you work with.
2: Absolutely, yeah. i got lots of things going on, obviously, when you, when you get to... Um, game week and, and especially coming off a week like last week, there's there's lots of things to talk about, discuss, digest, and now moving forward into you know the SEC opener. That's the thing; this season's felt like so much has already happened, and Auburn hadn't played an SEC game yet, uh, so it's uh, got that to look forward to starting this weekend. But yeah, previews uh, got a lot of things going on. With recruiting, uh, baseball starts you know fall practice tomorrow, so We'll have some stuff on that as well. Obviously, basketball's gearing up with the recruiting going on as well. So. And check all that out at Tigers dot com, dot com, and right now, if you if you haven't subscribed before, you get fifty percent off right now. So this is a pretty good kind of kickoff campaign that's going on. So
1: if you always wanted to sign up this is about the the good time to do it coming up on a, right right around a month till the basketball season opener i, I believe we're we're rapidly approaching the the uh, first game of the season uh, for those tigers but in the meantime obviously talking a lot of, uh, of football i think Yellowhammer's still uh, on the line Yellowhammer, i didn't mean to cut you off there i thought you uh, thought you were done with your call go ahead sorry about that
5: oh that's okay yeah uh, i got two more things to say about the running game and uh first of all the running game is is like boxing you're punching the defense, you're beating them up, you're dinging them up, Absolutely. you wear them down a lot more than a, t- defending the pass. And the thing is, too, you shorten the game, so if the other team's got more depth than you, they're not able to kick it in late in the game as much, and you couldn't maybe survive their onslaught in the fourth quarter. So that's all I got. Thanks.
2: No, I agree. It's, uh, it is body blows. You hear it all the time, and it's not, it's not the way that a lot of teams are playing right now. But this Auburn team, Bill, I think they have to play this way because they don't have the firepower to go out and, and be a team that scores 35 or 40 right now.
0: And that's what's been surprising because that's all we heard from Brian Harson was we're going to be a downhill run team, and they really haven't seemed to commit to that.
2: No, they have not. And, and um, you know, the, you know I think back to, to like 1988 uh, in, in Reggie Slack's first year as a starter, Coach Dye against Mississippi State, came out and had one of those games where I said, we're, we're going to run it the whole game. That team had a when, – when you're talking about Auburn, you, when you're talking about generational defenses for Auburn, 1988 was one of those teams. 57 is always the benchmark, but that 88 team had a defense like that. That's the only problem right now. You can do those things, and it will help your defense, but your defense has got to give get you the ball back some and, and got to they got to improve for you to, to, to turn that into wins over the better teams on your schedule because they're – Sooner or later, teams are going to score points, and and um, you can you can put yourself in position. I think more, but the, one of the issues right now is can they can they step up and play in the fourth quarter? Right, the fourth quarters have not been kind, and really the second halves haven't been kind to them in quite a while. Yeah, it's no, just
0: you're, I, you're absolutely you're absolutely right about that, uh, Jason. I I, w- I wanted to get your thoughts though defensively. I mean, uh, I think everybody expected the defense to be able to you know sort of. Carry this team while they while they tried to find their identity offensively, but uh, they've really struggled. I mean, um, they shouldn't have been that worn out. But I mean, man, Penn State just lined up and ran the ball right at them, averaged nine yards a carry there in the second half. What what are uh, what are you seeing that are that are big concerns to you defensively?
2: Yeah, uh, pretty much everything right now. Um, <laughs> that that's the bad part. I thought the most concerning thing Saturday was not the couple of big runs, but they got in the red zone. They just lined up and handed the ball off and scored touchdowns. That, that's not supposed to happen. It's supposed to be more difficult than that in the red zone. And it wasn't that difficult for Penn State on Saturday. That was probably the most concerning part because that's not a team. That wasn't Tommy Frazier and Nebraska. You know That's not who that was Saturday. Now, they may wind up being better than I thought they were. I still think that's a 9-3 and three at best Penn State team.
1: Georgia can maybe hand it off to someone in the well, That's a, yeah, Had
2: had that been Georgia that did that Saturday, you go, okay, man, that wasn't good. you got a long way to go, but, man, that was Georgia. Um, like, like Oregon. Oregon is able to go, you know what, man, okay, let's regroup because that was probably the best team we would ever see. That wasn't the best team that Auburn's going to see on the schedule, and that was probably the part. You're right. I, I think to me it's that. It's the – and and just kind of having this discussion on our message boards a few minutes ago with with somebody and talking about this defense, I think sooner or later you have to decide we're either going to sit back here and, and be bend but don't break, or we're going to have to just go crazy and try to create negative plays, knowing that we might give up a big play here there. But sooner or later you're going to have to decide, you know what, we can't keep giving up the, the 12-yard pass and over and over like Okay, we're going to put eight guys up there and play man outside, and if we give up an 80-yard touchdown, okay,
1: so what? It's, It's a similar question on both sides of the ball. Can you afford to be conservative? Right, I mean, on offense, it's, does that mean can you can you line up with two tight ends and a fullback and try to run up the middle, or do you not have the personnel to do that, and so you got to try something, you know, more reminiscent of the two-minute offense where they've enjoyed some success in the first three games? Defensively, like you said, do you question the bend but don't break approach because you need to take more chances, or you're going to watch teams just just go right down I, the I field? I think it's so
2: I think it's so hard to stop teams now. Because the offenses are so much better than they've been, just across the board from most teams, I think it's really hard to stop. Almost, teams.
1: almost everywhere.
2: Yeah, almost everywhere. I think it's so hard to stop teams to go, "Hey, man, we're going, we're going, we're going to hold this team to thirteen points." I think it's hard to to think you're going to do that, um, and especially at home, take a few chances here or there, momentum, crowd, all those things come for those defensive plays and and they haven't been able to do those things and and now you're talking you're talking about you know two more games at home before you go back to back road trips that right now don't look very good when you're talking about George and all miss you got to you got to get some momentum somewhere for this team i think it start you're right but it needs to
1: start on defense three three four three two one thirteen ninety the number to dial jason's uh gonna take off after the end of uh of this segment but we've got time for another call or two before we ask him about his predictions for uh for saturday and anything that that needs to go right for auburn let's get to brett who's on the line what's up brett hey guys
4: um i didn't hear the monday show but last two days folks uh all over the radio waves talking about play calling but um when you have four offensive linemen grade below a 50, uh, it, play calling not going to have much to do with anything. Uh, Tank ran, had one run for 12. Hunter had one for 12. Other than that, the running backs, I'm not talking about quarterbacks running the ball, the, the running backs had 13 carries for 34 yards. Auburn wasn't moving anybody. Um, and the offense line was just as bad, if not worse, probably worse in the passing game. And the quarterback graded below a 50. So uh, I'm actually shocked that Auburn was able to get over 400 yards total offense with four offensive linemen grading below a 50 and the starting quarterback
1: below a 50. Brett, and, and something we talked about earlier in the show is because uh, I, I agree at some point the offensive line play makes it tough to, to fairly dissect the play calling. At the same time, how much of, you know, in year two of a coach, how much, how much is, you know, the offensive line his responsibility, how much is talent on the offensive line up to him versus uh, the, the previous administration was something we were discussing earlier because, you know, at, for year one, you know, you see what you've got, but if it's a crisis, you know, you treat it like a crisis in the off season and instead of bringing back a bunch of guys that were on the team last year.
4: Well, that, that, that is true. I, I'm not saying that. Look, uh, that, that, that's what he gets paid for is for results. But no matter who recruited who, he's paid for results. But I'm, I, I'm just pointing out, it, it's you know, everybody thinks or seems to think that, oh, well, if we get down to the uh, goal line and if we just call the right play, Auburn's going to score. But if you can't block anybody quarterback can't make a quick decision and get the ball to somebody if he's open and that, and the lineman can't block for a pass I mean you know you can draw up whatever Bill Walsh's greatest plays known man are it's not going to work
1: and that's not going to change if you switch quarterbacks either in that no, situation Brett, no. as much as people would like to believe that appreciate the phone call good stuff Well, and and, yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm going to
2: bring this name up and it'll make some people mad but for three seasons I've been sitting in this seat saying Bo Nix was not the problem he covered up a lot of problems, and now you can look and see the problems that were covered up. Um, he's right; it's not a quarterback. It, it, it's far from a quarterback issue. This is an everything issue. I wonder. Oh, yeah. yeah, go and, ahead. And Bill. the
0: thing is, if you you know if you can't if you can't block people, then. One thing I will say about play calls is don't run slow developing plays you can't block.
2: Yeah, it's got to be quick, or 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 you got to you know again like Dan said screens draws those things. But I'll say this, you know Tank had nine for thirty nine. That's still four yards. That's four four yards of carry. Yep. Um, and 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 here's the thing about it. You look and and you go well, you know it's, it's you know it's not what what Penn State did. Well, you know Nick Singleton had two long runs. Okay, we go. Well if tank has a fifty four yard run on his on his next carry then he's got ten carries for ninety three yards and all of a sudden that rushing total looks different that's that's the kind of guy he is he can do those things the more he touches he gets at a
1: thirty eight yard catch yes and so so that's when they try to screen yeah the pass that rest. so
2: that's part of that's part of it you go you got to find the ways to get your best players to football that's the NFL mentality n f l mentality is find a way to get my best players to football right now. Auburn has to find a way to get Tank, Jarquest Hunter, Javarius Johnson. Those guys have to get more touches. That's that's the one way that they can maybe help them you know make a few plays here there.
1: How are you feeling about Saturday, Missouri? I honestly have no idea.
2: I don't. I I just I don't think Missouri is very good. But where where is this Auburn team mentally? That's what I don't know. Um, I think Auburn can come out and run the football and, and do some things. Kansas State had 245 yards rushing against Missouri. Now, they've got some experienced guys back on this front on the defense, so you I don't think you're going to be able to just solely line up and run it on them. But, uh, you know, I come back to defense again. Um, offense is – you know, I thought the offense was going to struggle. Uh, this was not a not – a, you now they struggle more than I thought, you know, up front. But defensively is where can this team – answer the bail and get the ball back a couple of times I mean three games with no turnovers and only four sacks uh, th- there's no way you'd have told me that was going to be the case after three games for this team but that's where they are three
1: three four three two one thirteen ninety the number to dial as uh, we uh, uh, really appreciate everything we get from Jason Caldwell every week especially at a time like this when uh, when and, and there have been I don't want to let you go with that and you can you can choose to go into as much detail as you want um, if someone asked you what Auburn should prioritize if they were going to look for a new head coach anytime soon, what sorts of things do you think are really important or, or have been reinforced in the last couple of well, years after seeing the Brian Harsin? Well,
2: We talked about it before he was hired early on. In, in, in his, I think, to me, the, it always comes back to fit for me. I'm telling it's that's where I'm always at with Auburn. I don't care if it's head coach in, in what sport. It's about fit. And that's the thing that, you know, if you're hire, hired for the job, you have to find a way to fit in. Or you need to find the right fit as he's being hired or as they're being hired. To me, that's always the most important thing at Auburn. I think it's it's a key thing for a lot of jobs, but I think it's especially key for Auburn. So fit and, and people. No people that that's it that's to me that's where it starts and and that's how you that's how you have things It's extremely tough to be an outsider
1: like a like a like a true... and, and, and
2: I'm not saying you'd have to be a person that grew up and, and played football at auburn that's not what I'm saying, but I think you have to be a, somebody that fits in the culture of Auburn and understands the people and and I think that's important
0: and you better be able to bring some talent in
2: hey that's the number one goal talent acquisition there's there's no way around it, no matter what sports you in. But you look in football right now, that you start talking about. And yeah. hey, does anybody think Kirby Smart is is the second coming of Bill Walsh?
1: No, he'll be the first one to tell you. He might got, tell you that he's got better players. Yeah, no, he'll say he's that's got it. better players. It's, it's,
2: that's what it's all about. That's it. It's you know, and I go back to this all the time. Nick Saban, when that, when when games are, are 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 you know eight points or less, he's just like everybody else. He wins his, his share, loses his share. You just don't have many of those games. Um, you know, it, it comes down to how many more p- good players you have than the other team, and you got to get to that level, and that's so, where it starts.
1: Especially in a conference where if you're not signing those players, you're gonna They're see, going you're,
2: to see are going to your, yeah, it's not like you're in, in the Big 12 where it was, it was, oh, Oklahoma got most of them, Texas got a few, and the rest of them went somewhere else. You didn't have to see them until you got in the playoffs. Yeah, that's not
1: the case here. Great stuff as always Jason really really appreciate Thanks, it and uh, we will talk to you again uh, next week 3343211390 the number to dial we will be back to wrap up our number 1 don't go anywhere you are listening to the drive
3: time to churn up some more yardage on the drive ah!
1: Wednesday edition of the drive, Dan Peck in the studio, Bill Cameron on the uh, work from home digital that's skype i mean i don 't know how proprietary i 'm supposed to be it 's a brand name you know i mean they 're not paying for that but uh, you know we're, we've got we 've got a direct line into uh, into Bill Cameron via the internet. Bill Cameron is interneting into the show, and uh, uh what do we got we got a uh, uh, after the game uh, coming up this saturday don 't miss that following the uh, Auburn-Missouri game uh, with, the, uh, with the new, the new after-the-game guys, the next generation of after-the-game. Uh, you don't want to miss that. And, uh, and yeah, and if, you missed the pod, if you missed any of uh, Jason Caldwell in the first uh, f- uh, three segments of the show, check out the podcast presented by the good folks at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Anywhere you get your podcast just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron, yep. and you will find it.
0: Yeah, with, uh, of course, with the 11 o'clock kick, it'll be a, a mid-afternoon. After the game, hey, uh, with Jason on, you know, uh, um, I I knew we didn't have tons of time. There was a little recruiting news: Auburn picking up a couple of guys in recruiting. Did you see the article today uh, from from Aaron Suttles about uh, about recruiting in the state of Alabama?
1: I did not see this article. Uh, break it down for me.
0: Uh, well, it was it was uh, in in the athletic. It's been posted on a couple of sites. I think sports it may have been Sports Illustrated as well, but it's, it's not. Uh, It it doesn't paint a good picture of of, of Auburn's recruiting, and Brian Harson in particular. It uh, interviewed some coaches. Uh, Aaron Suttles spoke with quite a few coaches from different parts of the state of Alabama and and gave them anonymity. So, I mean, he didn't name any names so that they would be as honest as they could be and was just not – it wasn't specifically aimed at Auburn, just asking about recruiting uh, in the state because it's such a good year for talent in the state of Alabama – and the the very distressing news to Auburn fans would be that, with the exception of East Alabama, where of course we are uh, the coaches from the rest of the state pretty much were uh very surprised that they hadn't seen much, if any of Brian Harson and just didn't feel that that Auburn was nearly as relentless as other schools in recruiting, and that's something you know we've heard I guess from the start, and you know we' we'd uh you know we'd heard that there'd been more of an effort, and I, I will say that. I believe in uh, the Birmingham area and one of the other areas, it said that the staff, they thought the staff was really getting after it pretty well, but they just didn't feel like that at the top, there was that relentless pursuit of the top talent. And there were some players that probably would have been interested in Auburn, just didn't feel like they were getting enough uh, attention
1: and which is uh, which is in line with some of the more concerning things we heard about recruiting in i would say the first year or uh 15 months or so of Brian Harson's tenure right you think back to what was it it was earlier this year you had the Montgomery Advertiser article uh where, they, where all the all the different high school coaches had been quoted saying they didn't know they had not met Brian Harson there was right. the there was the uh was the, the coaching event in Macon Georgia uh that that was brought up that that Brian Harson had decided not to uh, uh to uh, to attend and even even this week right Philip Marshall mentioning in his uh, in his uh, wrap up of the Penn State game that Brian Harson takes uh i i i showed I don't have it right in front of me I know I quoted it earlier in the week but it's a, a different approach to recruiting than any SEC coach Philip Marshall had ever encountered uh w- which was you know an, another sign that maybe uh, yeah maybe it was uh maybe maybe the the importance of recruiting was maybe a surprise to Brian Harson. and and I don't want to. It sounds condescending, right? And and dismissive and reductive to suggest that of a guy who succeeded the way Brian Harson did before coming to Auburn uh, at at Boise State and and elsewhere in his career. Uh, but right, I mean, it does it does seem like that's a conclusion. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not the guy from Knives Out, right? Okay. Like I'm not a master detective, Bill. But given given that information it does it does make you wonder if if he knew how important recruiting was when he got the job
0: oh there's no question i mean things there were a lot of things that that he wasn't prepared for, and I know he talked about learning and and having to learn so much after after he got here um but that's that's where we <laughs> like at this past saturday that uh that's not good to <laughs> to hear on top of that
1: nope not not at all we're going to take uh we're gonna step aside for the end of hour number one. Uh, got time for your phone calls in hour number two, three, three, four, three, two, one, thirteen, ninety. How you feeling about Saturday? What do you think? And uh, uh, and and etc. Right as uh, as we got and, and there's other stuff going on in the world of college football. Right, I can't wait to see uh, Tennessee, Florida. You know, we can talk about some of the other games as well. Lots to talk about in hour number two of the drive. Don't go anywhere. We will be back.
3: SPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika.
1: This is Sports Setup.
3: I'm Christine Lisi. Embattled owner Robert Sarver announced he's begun the process to sell both the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury. Last week, the NBA suspended Sarver for a year and fined him $10 million for workplace misconduct, including using racial slurs. In a statement, Commissioner Adam Silver said he fully supports Sarver's decision to sell. The one-game suspension of Buccaneers receiver Mike Evans will stand after his appeal was denied. He'll serve that suspension for his role in the brawl with the Saints in this Sunday's game against the Packers. Tampa also has a couple of injuries at receiver and will need a few tweaks this week as a result, notes ESPN's Tim Hasselbeck.
6: Who's the tight end, more Cameron Brate's been a good player, somebody that Brady's comfortable with. And then run the football, which is... You know, really the thing that they tried to, you know, establish in New Orleans a week ago to get, you know, Fournette going. And when they do that, it creates opportunities in the play action game, which is probably where their opportunities will have to end up coming.
3: Yankee star outfielder Aaron Judge with a chance to tie Roger Maris's American League single season home run record of 61 against the Pirates tonight, 705 Eastern ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're a renter, make sure you're protected. Renter's Insurance includes options that cover stolen property, personal injury, and living expenses if your place is damaged. Quote Renter's Insurance at Progressive.com. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. <laughs> The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll-free at 888-382-7502, or email thedrive at ESPNAU.com.
1: Welcome back in hour number two of the Wednesday Drive. Dan Peck in the Wow or in the uh, in, in the uh in in the studio the Wednesday studio here on the uh on the uh, Wednesday edition of the drive. Drew at the controls, Bill joining us via the internet. That's what anyways. We've got uh, Kyle at the uh, Ky- Kyle's hanging on. We'll get to him in, in just a moment. Room for you as well, Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. 321 1390 the number two dial. You can Text the show via the, uh, the Southeastern Industrial Contractors text box 334564-1840. Hour number two of the drive brought to you by our friends at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. Bill, recuperating from the home office, uh, uh, feel, feeling uh, be- better, better every day, Bill?
0: Yeah, I tried to probably uh, do a little much today, I thought. I mean, I felt like I was doing pretty, pretty well after the first couple of days. And just a, uh, uh, a stroll out to the mailbox became a uh, serious, <laughs> serious effort to get back. Because what do you do when your knee? What do you do when you've had surgery on your knee? You don't crawl back. So I had to, uh, I had to very, very gingerly make it back into the house a while ago. So I've got, it, I've got ice on it right now all good here for hour number two all
1: right glad to uh glad to hear it three three four three two one thirteen ninety the number to dial i know we had a uh, kyle hanging on through the uh through the break right kyle what's up
7: hey guys how's it going uh real i got two questions for you guys and uh i'll start off um i'm calling from southern indiana i listen to you guys quite a bit uh I'm pretty close to Louisville, Kentucky. There's quite a bit of Auburn alumni here, so it's nice to have a radio show uh, like you guys in the evenings.
1: Oh, very very that's cool. Fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. Keep keep listening. That's uh, that, that's very cool. I'm glad you enjoy it.
7: Yeah, I've tried to get through a couple of times in the past just with work. It's kind of crazy, but I was able to get through tonight. Uh, hey, real quick, just two points. I'm going to keep your time, keep you guys waiting. Um, so I'm kind of just scratching my head about the Calzada situation. I mean, was it, um, I feel like there's, there's, there's just a lot more there. And Saturday, I actually just, I couldn't watch the game anymore. It's like, um, I know he's been hurt, but like, do you guys think there's more that we don't know? And like, I, I just, I can't think, I, I can't think it's that bad with him that he shouldn't be on the field. Um, I wanted to give Finley a chance, but I don't know. Just like big time games. Um, I'm just not there with him, and I was cool with him starting, but um, I, I'm ready to move forward with Calzada and Ashford, um, and I, I just I hope we see a different team, and I'm confident that you know I, I'm still confident we can win some games, but I, I'm just left scratching my head about that, and until we see something from Calzada, um, that's that's going to make me feel a lot better, you know, in a. In a in a better game than Missouri obviously or with a better team um, and also for you guys uh, the tank situation like why just nine carries is that right on Saturday nine carries
1: nine carries of five in the five in the first half none of them in the second quarter I right. believe is is correct for uh yeah you've you got
0: me I, I have no idea that's that's got to be one of the biggest questions you've got tank and Jarquez I think that's two quality backs. You you definitely should try to ride them. Are they that are they that concerned about the offensive line? They don't even want to try to run the ball. Well, like I said, if you're going to throw it, there's no reason to run play action. Then just go go ten, two minute from the shotgun. But to Zach Calzada, it's really been interesting. You know, Dan and I went and watched during some of the open practices, and he'd have a good day. He had some bad days. There were some rumblings that he had injured his shoulder in non-football and some his throwing shoulder perhaps, or re-injured the non-throwing shoulder. Um, but there was a report today, Justin Hokinson of On3 today reporting that Zach had gone to the staff and was hoping to get a medical red shirt mm. and not play anymore this year. So that tells me there's something that's been going on physically with Zach Calzada. Um, I mean, there, there'd been rumblings about, you know, just him not being happy, Either with his health and how things were shaking out, but yeah, I don't think Zach Calzada is at the top of the uh, of the coaches list and hasn't been.
1: Well, Jason even suggested uh, in the, in the last hour that you might see. Uh, Robbie Ashford with a with a, with, with the Holden possibility with the possibility of Holden Gerner yeah. uh, potentially you know especially if Auburn needs a more established passer somebody who can provide a jolt via the passing game on Saturday which would suggest that maybe Zach Calzada is not in the picture at the moment and uh, in game four and coming off a loss like the one on Saturday if you're not in the picture now fair to wonder if you're going to be in the picture all year. Right, could be something going on that prevents you from from that, and you know we speculated about an injury when we were able to see uh, Zach Calzada participate in fall camp. So it's not well, I know ter- you were
0: concerned with the way he was sort of pushing the ball. I yeah,
1: my my you know my my Chris Todd my, my Chris Todd alarm uh, went off, and I say that as a friend of of Chris Todd's in case that gets back to Chris. I uh, I was right. just it was reminiscent of, of when Chris was trying to battle through uh, his shoulder injury. As to the running backs too, one one more thing about that before we get back to the phones, it's also imperative you know and I'm e- even if you. You know, even if you, you know, you have to find new ways, you know, you have to find different ways to, to get the ball to the running backs. The the way the pass rush was coming after T.J. Finley, and the way the pass rush will probably come after any Auburn quarterback this season, that's a reason why you need to get the ball to the running backs too. Because if not, uh, they're going to come at the quarterback with no fear uh, that, that someone else has the ball. And uh, you saw what that led to uh, often on Saturday uh, when when Penn State was uh, was chasing after uh, the Auburn uh, quarterbacks. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety the number to dial. Show me the board. Please, Drew, we've got uh, Greg uh, next up on the line. What's up, Greg?
8: Hey, guys. How y'all doing
1: today? Do- doing all right. Good to hear from you.
8: Yes, sir. Bill, I hope you get to feeling better at the house, man. Uh, I know Damn. my my knee uh, had a little bit of issues going on with mine here lately, and uh, probably need a little clean out myself. But I uh, hope everything gets better for you, bud.
0: Appreciate it.
8: Man... Uh, I- I ain't gonna lie to you guys, and I, and I, I admit it, I guess. You know, I'm a Dallas Auburn fan. I've been, to, you know, I went to Auburn and I didn't even watch the fourth quarter. And, uh, I just, it gets irritating. I, I see where everybody gets irritated. Uh, I kind of give myself, you know, this week kind of, I listen, you know, listen to Jay Crane go off. Um, some of it's warranted. And I don't, you know, I get it. It's frustrating. You pull for Auburn, and Auburn pays more money on buyouts than they do on the front end, and that's why you're in the situation you're in. You don't, you pay more to fire people than you do to hire somebody to get the job done. When it's proven, time in, time, you know, we ain't done nothing to put band-aids on things. Um, I like and hell, I'd sit down and drink a beer with him. You know, he, he seems like that kind of guy. You know, did I like to sit down and, have, you know, have a drink with, yeah. talk with, you know, shoot, shoot the bull. But I don't know what's going on. I mean, that game, I, I look at it half full, half empty. You know, and I give myself time to calm down. And, you know, I'm like, being an Auburn fan, you got to calm your butt down or you're going to get a lot of gray hairs quicker than you want to. But uh, there's, a, there's a lot of dang things that I'm seeing. I mean, even with, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the two quarterback system. That's, I mean, I'm, I've listened to y'all all week talk about it. I, guys, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I don't think we have any rhythm. I don't think we've had a rhythm yet all year. And we just all kind of speculate, you know, well, maybe they're holding something back or what are they doing. And they ain't holding nothing back, guys. I don't I don't know what's going on there. If you play Penn State, it ain't time to hold it back. It ain't time to, you know, not get the ball to big. you you got to figure it out. All right, the pass rush is coming. scream, slant, slant. Quit turning, your, quit turning your daggum back to the thing, uh, you know, to the line. And when you turn around, you got the defense in your face. I mean, a guy that's you know big as Finley is, you getting him up on the center and asking him to take a five-step drop when the blitz is coming. I mean, and, and not and excuse me, they're not even really blitzing. They was bringing five. No, at
9: they're, time, they're, they're just
0: bringing. just and and my other another question I've got, Greg, is where are the tight ends? John Samuels caught a few passes. But those are guys that that should be hot targets, I would think.
8: Well, I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, things you would think when you went in the locker room that you would scheme to this, and, and and Crane said this, and I, I was sitting there like beating the steel, we're like, absolutely. Where are we not making adjustments? I mean, some of this stuff. It don't take a rocket science. You ain't got to make it rocket science, but Auburn offense looks like it's got to be rocket science for some reason or another. Look, Dinkin dunk them down the dang field. You got playmakers, and you're refusing to put the ball in their hands. I, I mean,
1: keep I keep no, coming back, Greg. No, I, no I keep wondering you getting beat. I keep wondering if Brian Harson's lack of experience at a college football superpower comes back to this because even, look, in year one, you can blame the previous administration for a lot of the roster shortcomings. But I think someone who had been, uh, you know, hands on at a big time program, a national championship contender in the past, would have said, all right, there are, uh, we, we've got a crisis at this position, at that position, at, at this other position, and they would have tried to address it in the offseason. Brian Harson, it stood firm with a lot of the guys who bought in. To, to what Brian Harson was was uh, was selling, and th- those were the guys on the field on Saturday, and that's you know, and that, and that in year two, that's that's on Brian Harson.
8: Well, you know, he had a couple games last year, guys. I mean, I said the other day when I called in last week, I said, hey, "Ain't nobody gonna blow off and out," and I I was blown away. I was blown away. I mean, at the end of the game, guys, when I seen it end of the third quarter out there going into the fourth, just a lack of effort. This is, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, this is game three. This is game three, guys. You, the scheme, they're not scheming guys, you know, getting guys the ball that needs to have the ball. So, I mean, what do you, what do you, this ain't, this ain't Boise. All right. Look, you go to Boise and get beat by San Jose State, and that, you know, oh, oh, wow, you, you made it to the championship. That ain't acceptable at all. You get beat, you get beat by Missouri on, uh, on, on Saturday. they ready to put, run you out of town, buddy. And I hate that. I mean, I honestly believe Auburn has put their stuff in this situation. I think they've done things. You know, Harsin's doomed, guys. I mean, let's just be honest when you look at it. And when it goes I mean, bad, and
1: when it goes bad, we appreciate the phone call, Greg. And when it goes bad, and when it goes bad like this, it's also at least partially and more than partially on the people who gave him the job, right? Because it's I mean, because it's it's not as though it was a long successful tenure. and yeah. yeah, and those guys are all and those guys are all gone. Let's get to Susan. Who's on the line? What's up, Susan?
9: Hey, I'm going to be real quick. Um, again, Harson picked up Boise State from Chris Peterson, who did all the recruiting. And was about Dee Davis? Never played him. Went in high school uh, football co- uh, quarterback in Texas State history. So he, from day one, I don't know what it was with D, but look what we got now. We have a mess. And I, I agree with that guy. We spend more money on buying these coaches out than getting the white guy first. I don't care about what they did in the past. If they've changed their way, hire them. We've got to win. And I think we're lucky to have Dr. Roberts. I think Auburn is very blessed to have him because I think things are going to change. And we will go back to the glory days. And I just want to get my two cents
1: first. Thanks, guys. I, I, yeah, pr- Appreciate the call, Susan. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's, you know, if, the, if there's something reassuring it's that if if auburn is is uh, you know going to see wholesale changes soon it it won't be at least at least in in title right it won't be the same people who made the decision uh, to to hire the the yeah, but, the previous but you
0: wonder you wonder right now is you know is rich McGlynn going to is is he going to be the person hiring the next head coach if that's the if that's the case um what candidates are going to be a little concerned that an interim ad Is hiring them, because there are questions right now um, about the ability for Rich McGlynn to be a candidate. I I don't know that it is, is, uh, and and I should know this, I've been an Auburn University employee for a long time, but I know that in many cases, interim at any position on campus aren't moved into the full-time position. I've heard some talk that that might be um a a a an auburn university rule which could be gotten around but if that's the case though regardless of that an interim ad is going to have trouble bringing in the top candidates because they're going to want to know who they're going to be answering to
1: right and you wonder how involved the interim ad will be i mean auburn had was it in 2017 when Gus Malzon was renegotiating his contract? Auburn was between ADs at the moment, right? Jay Jacobs had already announced that he was on his way out and Alan Green had not been hired yet. And you sort of had, well, it was, it was almost above the AD's head. If memory serves, Bill, right? Wasn't the president pretty involved in yes. the, in, in the negotiation in, in that situation? And you wonder if it will go, you know, even up the ladder from the AD because I, I, I see what you're saying. I also don't think that Auburn can afford to, Delay on something that needs to happen with regards to the head coach because they don 't have an a d at the moment or like that can 't hold you back from making a change if a guy needs to lose his job and, and hiring a replacement if if that needs to happen as well, but I see what you mean it, it can hurt it can hurt the search if you don 't have you 'd rather have a permanent a d uh, in place before you begin a search for a college football head coach rather than trying to fill both of those jobs at once three three four three two one thirteen ninety good stuff susan. we will take a break uh, we 've got. Uh, Callers hanging on, stick around. We will be back. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Drive.
3: Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll-free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com.
1: Welcome back in hour number two of the Wednesday Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Bill Cameron joining us via the internet. Drew at the controls. Love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Full bank of calls, though. So we got Rain Man on the line. Rain Man, what's up? Oh, long time, fellas. Been too long. Good to hear from you. Well,
9: I'm sorry. I tried to uh, abstain from some of this uh, clown show circus. I don't want to get caught up in too much of it. Uh, but but I'm going to point out two things. Uh, The first one, kind of quickly, is that for whatever problem individually all of our quarterbacks have, they all share one collective problem in common, and that's that the offensive line is bad. Which brings me to my next point. The other side of the line is also bad, and that's the side that was supposed to be really good. Uh, I believe I had called the uh, midday show that comes on the same uh, network and spoke with them after the San Jose State game and said if we have a quarterback that drops back thirty six times for a division two school behind a six foot two inch, two hundred and seventy six pound offensive line, we only get one sack. And then the next week we face a non-Power 5 school that averages 6'4", 277. And we get three sacks, but we bring safeties and corners and linebackers and extra rushers and expose our corners and safeties until they make two Nevada transfers so San Jose State look like future NFL first-round picks or pass interfere continuously. And we struggle in that game against them. What's going to happen when we face a team with Division one Power 5, type of recruits on offensive line and at quarterback and at receiver. And the answer is obvious. Oh, you're
0: I right. I mean, Penn State is not one of the best offensive lines Auburn will face this year. Oh no, no. I told my
9: friend, as long as the best offensive lines, the best quarterbacks, the best wide receivers, and the best offensive coordinator slash head coach slash game planner we're going to face all year, we're Mercer and San Jose State would be national champions. <laughs> but unfortunately, there's going to be six or seven quarterbacks and six or seven offensive lines and six or seven uh, wide receivers worth the teams that have got future NFLers
1: on them. Yeah, gen- Generally speaking, rain-, up on those. rain Man, when you're not hitting the double-A pitching, it's, it's not a good sign for your major league prospects. Right to use Uh, use a baseball analogy, and when when Auburn's Auburn's struggling against the FCS team, not to paint every FCS team with a brush, but generally speaking, that's you know you're going to need to play much better against against the the SEC West. And well,
9: they they, uh, put put on my idea there a little bit and told me the defensive line was fine. I'm still going to go with they're not. Football is a game that's played from the inside out, and we're bad on both sides of the ball on the line. I think a lot of these players that we think are four- and five-star recruits aren't really four- or
0: five-star players. Well, one thing that's really so – I just can't understand though, Rain Man is there are guys that aren't playing as well as they did last year. Um, they, they should – you would think they would, they would continue to improve, but, but you're not getting as much production as you did from, from some guys who, who were big contributors a year ago.
9: Uh, I agree. I said Tank started out slowly last year. He picked it up late. He started out slowly this year. Sometimes he looks like he doesn't understand the offense.
1: He doesn't know where the hole is. That makes two of us. That makes two of us. Rain man. uh,
9: But you know, uh, last year he he had moments. I think it was the Georgia game when he comes out of the right spot, uh, comes from the right of the quarterback up behind the center where he's waiting to check for a blitz, he goes immediately into the left gap, leaving the right gap open. That's where the blitz comes from. He didn't make the right read. You know, maybe sometimes we're asking things of them they're not good at, and we should find the things they're good at. But we have systemic problems
1: that can't be solved short term. It, do, it does. You know what, Rain Man, that, that's something that, that's a, probably a pretty good advice, you know, especially after you're one in a program. either you Either you find talent that can fit to your system, or you... Or you fit your system to the talent you've got and it's it's fair to wonder if Auburn has done either of those things. Well this was my complaint team. about Gus so many times. We
9: got a six seven quarterback, we got a six one quarterback, we got one that can throw but can't run. We got one that can run all day on the team right now, but he can't hit the broadside of a barn from inside of it. You have no idea where the ball's gonna land sometimes. Uh, is that coachable in a short amount of time? Can you fix that wild
1: inaccuracy,
9: or can you get them to start reading defenses better? Yeah, well,
1: and, and, there's, and there's a lot whole bunch of deep systemic problems. Yeah, and there's, there's and there's other problems too. So great to hear from you again, Yellowhammer. Appreciate it. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That was Rainman, right?
0: Yeah, yes.
1: Oh, did I say Yellowhammer? Oh, that that, that, was, that was Rainman. Great stuff, Rainman. Appreciate yeah. it. Sorry, the, the nicknames get me crossed up. Who's up next? Matt. Yeah, show me the word. Matt. Appreciate it, Matt. What's up?
6: Hey guys, first time caller. I've listened to the show on podcast for years and finally figured out today while I was driving to Destin I could talk to you on, uh, live. So, oh, very cool. In.
1: Very cool. Great to hear from yeah. you.
6: Yeah. Um, just a, one quick story and then a question for you. Um, I was sort of able, just because I happen to know one of the people personally, I was able to confirm this weekend that uh, an example of kind of how the staff sort of just doesn't get it with recruiting. We actually have a prospect we're recruiting. There's actually four or five on the team that we would be interested in that are playing for a former Auburn couple, former Auburn players on their staff. You may know what I'm talking about. I just don't want to throw any names out. And uh, in I, 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 you know, saw it on one of the Auburn, you know, message boards and and the. Was, was really able to confirm that in the two years now that Auburn's been recruiting these guys, they haven't talked to the former Auburn players coaching the kids even once. And I don't think that would necessarily be an NCAA violation. But to me, I mean, when people say, "Oh, well, they just don't get it in the SEC," I kind of think if a if a you know Mountain West conference or a, a you know one of those Western Conference programs. Any the average coach in those conferences, if they had a former player from their school coaching a kid they were recruiting, I would think they would have you know at least communicated with that with that position coach that say, hey, you're one of our former players. What do you think about this kid? Even if they didn't, even if they you know didn't feel comfortable enlisting him in listening when in their recruiting, but sure you know, the staff just doesn't do that sort of thing. They wait and they waited. You know, after being you know sent tape on the kid and everything, while. Uh, Right, right if they were hired, they waited about 15 months before they made first contact. So, I mean, that's, that's, that just piles on all the other stories we're hearing, but it just kind of blew my mind that it was, you know, that out of touch with the way things work.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the scary thing in, in year one, and you, you hoped it was it was just a, you know, a fear, right? Well, because, because of, oh, go, go ahead, Bill.
0: Combination of COVID and not having contacts, not being able to speak to people in person,
1: but... The worst fear, but the worst fear in year one, right, was the notion that this guy thinks that he's got the special sauce that can take the players that other schools don't want and he can, you know, he can sprinkle, you know, whatever he's got on them and he can turn them into, into SEC championship players. Cause that, the odds of that working are, and I know we celebrate Bruce Pearl for being able to find guys that other SEC programs didn't want and turn them into key pieces for a champion. It's basketball. It's so tough to try to do that in football, especially when the rivals we're talking about are Georgia and Alabama. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's fair to wonder even still, you know, going on, you know, com- coming up on the end of season two, it, it's, it's fair to wonder if, if he, if he fully understands the importance of, of, of the, of, of the recruiting aspect of this. Appreciate it, Matt. Great stuff.
0: Yeah, we- have a safe trip. we have got about a half an hour to go, right?
1: Absolutely. Matt, don't be a stranger. Really, really appreciate it. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. 1390 the number to dial. We will be back with more. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Drive.
3: Welcome back
1: in our number two of the drive Dan Peck here in the studio, Bill on the internet as a, like like it's a basketball game right Bill you just you're just on the internet the whole time
0: right I'm doing it from that's right I'm doing it from home
1: <laughs> and uh, and drew from the uh drew at the controls uh pre- appreciate the work drew does as always three three four three two one thirteen ninety the number to dial um if if there's time, you know, either today or tomorrow, we can start talking about some of the other games in the SEC this weekend. Florida-Tennessee looks to be a good one at at 2:30. Arkansas and A&M, both uh, teams that that are feeling pretty good about themselves after uh, after the the uh, the start they've had to the season. I know A&M had the the loss to App State, but to uh, bounce back and defeat Miami, you know, now A&M's thinking they beat Arkansas. It's like the. It's almost like the App State loss uh, didn't happen. It's just a, a blip on the radar. But of course, we're talking a lot of Auburn too, following the loss at Penn State, and with the Missouri game at eleven a.m. this Saturday. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial in. John is next up. What's up, John?
10: Hey guys, Dan. I heard your comments on. I think maybe the last time I called in, we may not agree on much, but I think we agree on Urban Meyer.
1: I'm I'm back. One. I'm backing off, John. I'm backing off. Urban Meyer. I can't do it. I just don't uh, know. I, on, I just don't know if I could. I don't know if I could cheer for it in good conscience. I know, and and I think it would work. I do think he would win. I absolutely think if anybody Auburn could conceivably hire. He's as close to a guarantee as anyone. I, it's a lot to overlook, right? You know what I mean.
10: <laughs> I I I agree with you too. I absolutely agree with you on some level. Um, it took Auburn playing this poorly for me to want to even consider him, but. I guess the deeper question I have for the both of y'all, just a thought and a question, was that, uh, between Jay Crane yesterday and then Brian Matthews on a podcast this week and then speaking with quite a few other Auburn folks, this is, and probably in my lifetime, this is the most hacked off I've seen Auburn people regarding what's going on with the football program. And um, I, I wasn't around in 1980s so Bill, you could speak to that. But my one question is, talking about Urban Meyer, um it seems to me the exact type of coach Auburn needs that would really solve their issues is exactly the type of coach this board of trustees will never provide the opportunity to And that's, that's the a, guy who wants full autonomy, who does not want to, who says, basically, basically, get on my back, I will win. Get the hell out of my way and leave me alone and we will win. And I don't think the board's willing to do that. And that doesn't give me hope, to be honest. I just like your thoughts on that, guys.
0: That's a great point, John. I, I saw somebody raise this question today and uh, i was wondering if we'd have a chance to get around to it because the question was all right does auburn want a coach that that do they want do they want to hire a coach that they know is going to win or does auburn want to hire a coach that they either feel like they can control mm. or be buddies and get good outside information from because sometimes it's not it's not so much about controlling i think that there are some folks that Yes, they want their input to be considered, but I think they also want to be the insider who's able to. If they can't be on the sideline, they'll want to get some inside info, and they don't want a coach that uh, won't just tell them anything they want.
1: And I guess my question, Bill, is are those two things compatible in college football? Can Not- you is there, is there a coach who, A, is going to be a big enough name and an accomplished enough recruiter to get Auburn the kind of players that puts them in a position to compete with the best teams in the SEC West, and B, be acceptable to the folks that want to buddy buddy and pal around with the Auburn coach.
0: All right, yeah. Think about this: is, is Urban Meyer going to, when he sees that number calling in, you know, just say, "Hold on here at practice, I've got to take a call." That kind of thing. That's that's what I think some people want to be able. They want to have that hotline.
1: Right, and and maybe that that hotline used to exist, but a lot of things in college football used to exist, right? And they're not and they're not around anymore. Yeah, you, so that- you just well, yeah, you wonder you wonder if, if evolution's coming for that too. Uh, th- you know, we'll we'll see. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety the number Dallas Casey. I was about I was about to get to Casey. I think we just lost him. Appreciate. I mean, Casey, call us back if you get the opportunity. I was about to to toss you toss you on the air. So so Bill, anything from. This past weekend in college football, not Auburn-related. That I know we talked a little LSU, Mississippi State yesterday uh, with uh, with Barrett, and of course uh, what the, the Tennessee Florida is coming up this Saturday as a as, as a big game. Uh, finishing touches on this past weekend. Any, anything that stand out to you? or you, or you think it's uh, it's it's ready to look ready to look ahead?
0: Hey, Auburn's not the only team that's uh, looking for a little offense. I mean, Florida, Florida's Ooh. offense is uh, is a mess right now. I'm not so sure that Texas A&M. Is everything's all rosy with their offense? Either I mean, Max Johnson struggled. They scored seventeen. I know Miami's not bad defensively, but it's hard for me to believe that A and M's offense is going to be good enough for them to try to get back where they thought they were going to be this year.
1: Yeah, I got no idea what happens in A and M Arkansas, right? Because that's an Arkansas team that didn't have a great first half either. Bobby Petrino, no, right. Bobby Petrino had them on the ropes from uh, from Mississippi State, but no, it's it's uh, uh you no, know, that, that is an early an early SEC West showdown, right? Like a really good game between a pair of teams that both want to believe uh, this could be the year for them in the SEC West. And Arkansas, if they win, if they look impressive, suddenly they're going into a game against Alabama at home with as much momentum as anyone's had when they play Alabama in recent memory, right? Or they're on the short list of teams.
0: you're You're right, but the concern I would think here is for Arkansas not to be thinking about Alabama uh, because A&M hasn't been pretty it has not been pretty for A&M so i mean it would be tough and after arkansas beat them last year there may be some arkansas players that might have trouble focusing on this week's game
1: it's almost if you if you're trying to play like pop psychologist here right it's almost better for arkansas that A and M won the game Saturday night. Oh yes. because now now you remember that A&M's A and M's a real opponent that can beat you and has a lot of talent. And if A and sitting there at one and two with losses to App State and Miami, and you've got Alabama a week later, even though the game's at AT and T, and even though A and M was a top ten team going into the season, you might you might the mind might start to wonder. You know, it might start to wander a little bit for uh, for, for, for Arkansas, and instead. Yeah, they they can't. I mean, this is a rivalry game, and and they can't take it lightly because a And M is still in the top twenty five and still, uh, you know, a team that believes they can win the SEC West. Even though, like you said, yeah, Arkansas has Alabama a week later in what should be, especially if both teams win this weekend. And now Alabama have Vanderbilt, or, or I mean, it, it's a uh, you know, it's, two forty three point favorites over Vandy, right? So you know, it seems like if if one of if if either Arkansas or Alabama loses this weekend, it feels like. Uh, oh, it's like hey, it's like Arkansas got the better shot of being the team going into next Saturday's game with a loss. But if both of those teams are undefeated, right? If Arkansas and Alabama are undefeated, that game in Fayetteville is enormous next week because it'll be the first time in over a decade Arkansas feels like they got a shot to beat Alabama. Right I mean, it's, it'll be the first time in a really long time in Fayetteville. I know they played him close last year in, in Tuscaloosa, but it'll be, I mean, it'll be unfamiliar territory for, for a lot of people in and around the Arkansas program. It's just a matter of keeping that game afloat. I have no idea what happens Saturday night. Yeah, a and and M is a total dice roll, and um, right.
0: Looks yeah. like Max Johnson's the guy now. Maybe, maybe he'll step it up and play a lot better. Hey, you know what? Alabama, I mean it's funny. Alabama's putting up huge numbers. But if you look inside those numbers, they're getting a lot of them in the return game and special teams and things like that. Um, it was not a it was not a very clean. That's crazy to say. A sixty three seven win was not a really clean win for Alabama. I mean, they they turned the ball over. They had they had a bunch of mistakes. They're just that much better, you know. Than uh, than who was it
1: last week? Oh, it was it was Monroe? It was the it was the Warhawks. It was it was it was the fighting the fighting Terry Bowdens. Uh, in, uh, in you know in, in Tuscaloosa uh, last week, you know Alabama has have like two hundred and something yards in punt returns. That's Alabama has a really interesting October ahead of them. Right, Bill, I mean they 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 go to Fayetteville on the first, they host A and M on the eighth, they go to Knoxville on the fifteenth, and they host Mississippi State on the twenty second. Back to back to back to back four four games that are far more interesting at least right now from where we sit. They're more interesting than those series have been in recent years. Right, that Alabama-Tennessee game in Knoxville. I mean, and, and and State's looking like they're they're capable of throwing. I mean, although Saturday was a, a deflating loss for that team because I think they thought that they were one thing going in, and it turned out LSU was. Uh, uh,
0: I felt that one coming. I just felt that one coming. Mike Leach will lose a game or two every year that he's not supposed to. That you just feel like, oh, this one, this one's in.
1: And and it won't surprise you or very many folks who really follow this closely if LSU is a lot better than they looked on opening night against Florida State. Oh, by yeah. the end of the season, too. Brian like that's,
0: Kelly is, Yeah, Brian Kelly is. You know, there are a lot of people that don't have a whole lot of love because he was at Notre Dame and he's a rather brash guy, but he is a really good coach, and uh, LSU will LSU will be fine.
1: Yeah, if this if this Auburn if this Auburn program's in disarray after Saturday, LSU will come here with with the the knives sharpened, right? Oh, like that. No. Right, I mean, Bill. You know, you know, you know what I mean. Like they, they will, they will be happy to finish off a season if they, if they smell blood, and they've got the talent to do it. And uh, that was a reminder Saturday night when they, when they beat a Mississippi State team that was playing really well. You know, I, th- I thought State should have been in the top twenty-five uh, after last week's games, and uh, and and they, they went into LSU, and, and LSU was the better team for the uh, for, for the overwhelming majority of that football game.
0: And I know you don't want to look past this week, but you know the the Auburn defensive front has struggled. Jaden Daniels is quick, and he'll get the ball out quick,
1: too. I'm not, sure how much, I'm not sure how much better Penn State is than LSU. Let's put it that way. You're right. I agree
3: with you. <laughs> That's,
1: and after Saturday, that is a scary proposition. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. Do you have any thoughts on next year's schedule, Bill? I know it was announced last night on on SEC Network. No real surprises, although
0: what a nice way to open up conference play. Waiting all the way till September 23rd. For your first conference game, but uh, yeah, no, nothing like uh, you know three cupcakes to get things started in the conference. Not that there are many cupcakes. Auburn does get bandy, at least on the uh, schedule as a crossover team, but uh, what is it It's, it's uh, uh, at Texas A and M, Georgia, and at Ole Miss? Isn't that the first three? At
1: LSU, it's it's at LSU. It's, it's at A and M home against Georgia. I believe a bye week, and then and then at LSU. Are your first three conference games of next year's schedule? There's a road trip at Cal in week two. The the, the uh, so after after a month this season where Auburn doesn't leave home for the entire month of September, you got trips to California uh, to play at Cal in Berkeley and a trip to College Station, which is one of the that's one of the further SEC trips you make, right? And in, in from from Auburn, like as far as uh, just oh, mileage. Yeah. I, I mean,
0: considering this year. The you know the far the farthest Auburn goes is Mississippi this year,
1: right? And College Station is a is a, is a step further away uh, than that one. So so yeah, Auburn will take uh, take some uh, they they will they will rack up some some frequent flyer miles next year early in the season as they play a couple of uh, of road games pretty far from home. Uh, but next season feels a million miles away. Right after oh, uh, you're you know, not getting, there's
0: so much to get through before next year. I mean, who's who's going to be here next year? I mean. Uh, coaches, players, I mean it's, I have no athletic,
1: idea. Athletic directors. There's that's all there's all true. kinds of questions about who could be here and who might not be uh, uh, who might not be on board for another season. And yeah, I'm I'm very uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see what the deployment of the quarterbacks looks like on Saturday build. Do they trust Robbie Ashford to be the only guy for a big chunk of the game, what kind of we heard it all the time with TJ, right? How short is the leash? Well, how short is the leash with Robbie Ashford? What's well, the, I what's think it the,
0: depends. It depends on Zach. If Zach Calzada is not a factor, then I, I think Robbie, Robbie may, you know, they may try to go the distance with Robbie.
1: Right. What's the What's the plan uh, otherwise? You know, is Holden Gurner in the picture, or would Auburn uh, just just stick with yeah? Is Is, is Zach Calzada? In the picture, or is there something going on uh, behind the scenes that that would limit his availability? I mean, this is yeah. You suddenly pull you pull TJ Finley out of the picture at least in the short term, and after after the thing on social media yesterday, you wonder if that's indeed for the short term, right, Bill?
0: Oh you, yeah. Well, you, I mean, I, I I think I think that uh, I don't know that the it's the most harmonious situation in that quarterback room right now. But because I mean, I wonder if Zach Calzada does indeed want a medical redshirt. Um, wh- why is he going to? You know, why is he going to go? Oh, sure. Well, I- I'll go out and play this week when I'm maybe giving the job back up in a week
1: or so. I just don't know. Well, and not, not, not only that, but if he wants a medical red shirt, should he go out there? Like, there's a, there's also a question of like physically, is that is that the best thing for him? Long term, or even even short term, right? I mean, we saw. I mean, if if you're, if you're not out there and, and you're you know you're you're gonna probably take hits playing quarterback for Auburn this year, uh, you you better be as close to 100 percent as you can be, or or it's it's fair to wonder if that's the best thing for you is to not play.
0: Yeah, so I mean, um, and and like Jason said, Robbie Ashford has dealt with injuries quite a bit, so uh, I just I just wonder who would be an who would be another emergency? Is there
1: is there anybody? Else? Is it uh, Trey? Uh, Trey Lindsey? Quarterback in the past. Would, would Trey Lindsey be in you know in well, uniform? Walk-ons. Yeah, you start looking at your walk-ons. I mean, I, honestly, I mean, Grant Loy's gone, right?
0: So I are mean, your Pate, uh, you know, guys like that?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if I mean, is there is there a former quarterback? Is there a former quarterback playing receiver? You know, is is there someone that I you know that I, I can't think of off the you know off the top of my head? I mean, no, it's a uh, that that is that's yeah, fair, fair to wonder. You know what what the plan could be and I, and how far. Walk-
0: I think you just move on down to a walk-on in
1: game. And it's week, it's week, it's game four, Bill. And, we're, and we're, having the, we're having the how far down the depth chart do you look at quarterback situation. It is, you know, Auburn could really use a reassuring performance on Saturday. And if they don't get one, uh, it's, you know, I, I don't know what we're going to be talking about on Monday because it might, hey. not just be, might not just be about the game.
0: Yeah, what, what what kind of crowd do you expect for an eleven o'clock game against Missouri?
1: I had someone who will remain anonymous tell me that they they uh, they are part of a, a large tailgate uh, at, at near, near campus, right? And everyone to a to a man slash woman who attended Saturday has backed out of going this Saturday. That's what I was told earlier today by someone who has a, a pretty a pretty serious tailgate. Now, I don't I don't know how many of them are going to come anyway. You know, it sounds like some of them come from far away, and the Penn State game was a a special occasion. Uh, But I don't think the number was supposed to be zero. Yep.
0: Uh, Well, it will be larger than zero this Saturday, but uh, I think it will be much less than eighty-seven thousand.
1: It's a fair prediction. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. That's Bill joining us via the magic of the internet. I'm here in the studio, Drew at the Controls. will be back with more. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Drive
3: live on The Drive. (laughs) The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390 toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com
1: Welcome back in. Final segment of the Wednesday edition of The Drive, 334-321-1390. The number to dial? I've had someone chime in uh, during the break uh, who has first-hand knowledge of the aforementioned tailgate bill and they wanted me to uh, point out that no one in question lives further than Birmingham. So oh, for my okay. excuse.
0: Yeah. That well, that's uh that that's not not shocking. I did get an update. Uh just checked my email, got an update from uh from a listener who said uh wanted to uh clarify about the interim title we were talking about. Uh, and the, the information I have is the lack of interim eligibility as a faculty rule established by the Faculty Senate and applies to positions like dean, provost, or president, this person says they're fairly sure athletics isn't under the same constraint. So, yes, i had been asked that, and i would recalled situations like that, but had not heard anything with athletics. So, so that would mean that uh, Rich McGlynn most likely would not, be ruled out of being the permanent AD.
1: For some reason, I thought Jay was interim athletics director before he was given the full the full uh, job. But that's not. I don't recall that's that. not. No, that's not the case. No, he was not. He was a senior associate athletics director. Right. But but that no, but he, he did not step in. I and I don't know if Auburn. I don't know if Auburn had an interim one in the Housel resignation, right? Didn't he resign and Auburn sort of had a new one in place yes. from the moment? I don't, I don't think there was an interim athletic director between David Housel and, and Jay Jacobs. So, so, yeah, I mean, it was a fair thing to wonder about. But, but no, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I imagine Rich McGlynn is an internal candidate. We've discussed if Auburn has other Internal candidates, as well as you know, everyone who could qualify under a nationwide search, there have been. Well, Bruce
0: st- Pearl sure had some very, very uh, nice things to say about Rich,
1: and th- and there have been some sitting athletic directors who have expressed uh, interest in the job in in media appearances, like the uh, is it John Hartwell, uh, the right, former Troy, former Troy AD, now at Utah State. So yeah, it remains to be seen what Auburn does over the next few months and who they target to be the new AD of the program. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's get to Kevin before we step aside here on the at the end of the show. What's up, Kevin?
9: How you doing, fellas? Sorry, I've
1: been
8: on the road from Birmingham, so I'm going to be able to catch the last segment or two. But I wanted, and it's a shame that that we're having to talk about interim coaches and everything, only 16 games into Coach Harson's tenure here. But uh, I think we've all just kind of come to
9: accept the inevitable.
8: Got a little uh, interim head coach I want to run by you and see what you think. What do you think the chance of Bo Jackson being the interim head coach
1: are? Or or taking or take like not not the interim coach, but taking over like on, on a permanent no. basis from or, or no no he, I think be the, oh. the interim head coach. Ooh, you know I
0: I wonder to if they would. Your head, I could see something like that making more sense.
1: Yeah, I I want I wonder if they would bring in an outsider to be the interim head coach, or if there's someone like Jimmy Brumbaugh or you know Will Friend Will Friend or something that would take over for the for the remainder of the season at least, while, while Auburn goes and finds a permanent. Uh, uh, so it's
0: something that if you are going to make a change midseason, you, you better have an idea what you're going
1: to do. Absolutely. Fair, fair to wonder about. Good stuff, Kevin. Yeah, I wonder if, if, if Bo Jackson would be involved. Or maybe he'd be involved in the search for the next guy. You know, who knows? Probably. 3, 3, 3, 1, 334 321 is the number, but we're done. We're going to talk with uh, Justin Ferguson tomorrow. Bill uh, will join us uh, via the Internet, it sounds like. We'll see how he's feeling. Take your time, Bill. Come back to the studio when you feel up to it. But in the meantime, really appreciate that you've been able to uh, to be on this week. Nevertheless, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night.